<laughs> Welcome to our first ever podcast, Often Racing, and um, presented here by Corinda Bloodstock. I'm George Sexton, and I'm joined here by our Bloodstock manager, Sean Driver. Um, Sean, mate, why did you always want to do this podcast? You were always rambling on about it to me, and other than give me something to do and more work. Uh, yeah, welcome. I, I just wanted to give people, um, I guess, to, oh, to have the access of, I guess, the public to another avenue of what we do, what other people do, what our trainers do, just everyone in general. It's not a, about horse racing. It's going to be about life and um, uh, might be, you know, very positive things that people do. And then we'll hit some harder topics and then the struggles with certain things. I just want to, I just want to do everything in, around, above, out, down of racing and then with life as well. It's just very important to relate to people that, look, we all do have lives. Yes, we're a horse racing syndicator, but look, we all we all have a life as well. And um, I think people will be able to connect with people better that way. Yeah, and podcasts seem to be like the way it's going now, isn't it? Everyone will chuck one on when they're at the gym or in the car or cleaning the house, whatever it be. You won't clean the house too much, but... No, that's <laughs> definitely a negative. But uh, no, it's just interactive, isn't it? It's just, it's so much more, um, it's just relevant. It's the way things are going and um, why not? We'll jump yeah, on the bandwagon. Yeah, you got to get with the times, don't you? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll just give um, our listeners a bit of a little intro into like who we are and what we do. We're not just two idiots sitting here talking crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just the history of us and... Yeah, um, Corinne the Bloodsock, so... Well, I guess it all started with, um, I'm 36 and um, look, I've been in the industry since I could crawl, but... Um, uh, look, my grandfather obviously got me into the industry and my first memory was probably realistically, um, like when I was probably five, um, I was always around horses before then, but I can start to remember the horses around five and, um, you know, 1991, 92, um, uh, I could, I could sense that obviously that's what my grandfather was into and cause there was just horses left, right and center and, and then probably 1994 we had our, or he had his first big winner. Uh, Charmsky, we won the Prime Television Cup at Tamworth, and back then it was a hundred thousand dollar race. And it might not sound uh, like a lot of prize money, but it's a long time ago, and it was a lot of prize money. Paul Falvey rode the horse, and um, that's when my grandfather bought our farm, um, six hundred and seventy acres out at uh, Gungall. We had, um, and it just snowballed from there. I won't get, bore people too much, but from having nothing to uh, standing three stallions, free flyer, sunny Gildora, and youthful legs, to having 188 horses on the property, uh, it, it was quite a big uh, business. And then um, we had a lot of success with some good horses, uh, winning some nice group races, enlisted races, stakes races, and uh, horses like Adina and Corel Boy, and um, I won't go, I won't go on and on, but um, yeah, we've we had great success, and um, and then he unfortunately passed probably eight nine years ago now, and it was probably an opportunity that one of our stallions died the same week, and another one wasn't performing well, and another one uh, was unwell with arthritis, so it was. Uh, with that, uh, a lot of our brood mares, we sort of bred 28 to 30 a week, uh, a year, sorry. We had about 28 to 30 brood mares a year. And 
that we bred from. And, and it's probably half of those either weren't throwing what we wanted to anymore and they were getting a bit older or so it was just really good timing. Look, if we're going to step away, have a couple of years off, this is the time to do it. That's what we did. And we had that probably three year period or so away. And when we got back in, we just, uh, we bought our own little farm of 40 acres and we thought syndication was the future, which I believe it is. Um, and we got licensed. We were a registered syndicator now. And, um, basically I still have the mentality of what we used to do. So I think that's why we, uh, we're, we're so different to the ordinary syndicator um, horses come first, the animals come first. It's that, that's when you say we, it was you and your partner, Genevieve, that, yeah, yeah. my wife, Jen. Yeah. Like, um, she's, uh, been a, or she's a solicitor for the last sort of 14, 15 years. So it was a bit of a no brainer that with her, uh, background, uh, legislation wise and all the rules and of racing and how we're governed by ASIC and Racing Australia, Racing New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, wherever it may be. I think it's very important to know the ins and outs that way. And and Jen, um, that's her specialty. And I don't try and begin to know what I'm talking about when it comes to that. So I just stick to the horses and we work well. And obviously now we've got yourself, um, you know, blood, assistant bloodstock manager and clients relations manager. And we've got Shane He's our farm manager that lives on the farm full-time now. And uh, the business is growing really well, uh, not too rapid. It's growing at a nice pace and uh, uh, the future looks bright. And I think when you've had 188 horses to manage, which that was my job for my pop, uh, my grandfather, it's, it's quite easy to manage the horses we've got now. But things have changed a lot as well. So... Um, yeah, we do things a lot differently. I, I saw what to do and what not to do uh, when we ran out or when my pop had his business, uh, when I worked for him. Uh, a lot of things that I wanted to change that, uh, you know what, old people, like they get in their, um, in their ways and they don't listen. And, um, and he had obviously a lot of sentimental value for those horses. And that you said he had a lot of broodmares that he just kept along. And Yeah, and I, I, want, I wanted to either retire the broodmares or, um, or, you know, give them to younger kids that want to learn, you know, how to ride horses or, or use them as nanny mares or whatever it may be, um, because all of our horses stayed with us, whether they retired or, or whatnot. So... Um, but well, we still have Corral Boy, don't we, as a nanny at the farm? Yeah, he's 26, uh, multiple Group 2 winner. And look, back then he retired in 05 or 06. And, you know, he's, I think, a few thousand short of a million, which when John Tapp and I, um, when we did, an, he interviewed me, I think he said it's equivalent to like 3.3, 3.6 million now. And, th and that's without all these pop-up races that I know he would have went well mm. in. So, And it's rare. Like horses, you know, he won from 1,100 metres to 2,300 metres. You rarely see that nowadays, don't you? No. Yeah. Like, you just, as we know, you, you don't see that. And those old, t and we bred him, I was there the night that he was born. Uh, it's, yeah, it's quite surreal, but he's happy, he's healthy. We've got him still at our farm. He's a beautiful nanny. Uh, I treat him as a nanny mare, but he's with one of our little colts now, one of our yearlings and getting bossed around. Um, but he's happy. He's, um, he's probably looking better than me even when he was racing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's good. Things are looking well. Yeah. No. And as you said, like I've come on the team and, um, syndication was honestly, it wasn't ever something I thought I'd get involved in. Um, cause 
being from Ireland, it, it's very rare there. You'd only have a syndicate if you and your mates put it together. And um, yeah, and so I came over about nine years ago and now end up going to New Zealand first. Um, I remember I was in, again, I had no ambition to travel. Um, I was in England at a sale one day, a yearling sale, and it was pissing down rain, like all the places sold out of waterproofs and that was that bad, which you'd say is a regular day in Ireland and England. But um, yeah, it was torrential around this day and some fella came up to me and um, he said, do you want to go to New Zealand? And I said, what's the weather like? And he said, it's sunny in summer. And five days later, I was on a plane. So yeah, that all snowballed from there. I worked for a number of farms and um, yeah, you get to know everyone. I just thought the racing scene out here, the sales scene, like it's just, it's so inclusive and every man, dog, cat, everyone has a share in a horse almost. And yeah, it was just... And you've worked at some of the biggest farms uh, in the country, in the world, and, and, and you've prepped some really good horses. Like if you name name four horse four of your favorite horses that you've prepped like to give people an example uh yeah so like uh, as you said like you don't want to rattle on but some of them well-known ones that people would know would be like home affairs espiona recently um yes 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 one in everest Van de Clare, one in melbourne cup dubious like, dubious so he was one of my favorite horses ever and yeah it just it's such an incredible um industry and here especially like the prize money, everything like that. And the thing I loved about it, why I didn't want to go home is it's just, if you're willing to have a go and put the work in, people will give you that opportunity. And that's kind of like how we came about too. Like obviously Crin the Bloodstock was up and running and um, we just met at the sales from you going around looking at horses and then we had a beer and that we always got along. And, and then I came to a crossroads in my life. I actually got my residency in Australia and, I was like, well, I always wanted to get into bloodstock, but I didn't know how to venture into it. And we got chatting and you said, come out and see the farm. And yeah, one thing led to another and I've loved and it. And we basically since. just said, didn't we? Like, look, we, this is what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, if you're interested, otherwise we, we will be hiring someone. But uh, if you can consider it, it'd be great. Uh, you can come to the sales because at the end of the day, uh, there's certain things that I'm missing for sure. Everyone, you can't say that you're perfect. And having an extra set of eyes and, and ears and, and hands at, at the yearling sales is going to be priceless. Yeah, and it's an industry that I think you can't be too um, stubborn in setting your ways because it's ever evolving and you're never done learning. No. I don't care who you are, whether you're, you've had 25 group one winners or you're just starting out, you will learn something new every day and yep. it can come from the most unexpected spot as well. So, yeah, that's pretty much um, a bit, little bit about our story. Obviously, as we get into the podcast and that, we'll... Um, you will learn more. Yeah, yeah, and you'll probably <laughs> um, stop listening. But <laughs> no, so this episode, um, we've decided with the end of the spring racing campaign, mate, we'll just do a bit of a review on that, our, our thoughts and stuff. Um, yeah, how good was it? How, uh, how's the horses like? Uh, one of our trainers, Matthew Dale, who's actually on the podcast, uh, the, our next podcast, our next episode. So tune in for that. You know, like he won the Kosciuszko front page. How good was he? Oh, incredible. Like, and for Matty, you know, getting to know him as not just a trainer, but as a friend and that, like, and knowing his whole family would have been involved in that horse and everything. Like, just, I cheered that horse. I was there on the day and I cheered that home as if, we owned it or we had a share in it or that 
Like, yeah, it just, it is incredible. And to see, especially the Kosciuszko, that, how they've set that out, it's just regular people. Yeah, and Matthew will go into detail of, um, you know, probably, or he hopefully goes into detail if he feels comfortable of, uh, the build-up and what was involved. Uh, did the, look? Did the did the preparation go to plan? Did it not go to plan? Did did he have hurdles? Did he? There's so many things that the owners um, and people out there, I think, will love to hear. And um, look, great person, great family, great trainer. Uh, so you know, he deserves all the success that he gets. And what far out? Like the horse, just uh, not being disrespectful, but. Um, it was on a different planet that day. Yeah, geez, yeah. Like, it just, it blew them away. Yeah. And I don't think anyone was expecting that. No. I think when Mogo Magic, um, unfortunately, just stepped a bit slow, two furlongs in, I thought, personally, I just thought, done, this is race over. Because I think if Mogo Magic sat OSL outside the leader and pressured front page just a little bit, it's a, probably a different scenario. But when Mogo just unfortunately just stepped a bit slow, which look that that's you know at the end of the day that's just racing. It's um, no fault of the horse or anyone else. That's just racing. Um, whether it copped a check, I, I can't go into detail in because I didn't watch the Stewart's vision or anything. But I think two furlongs in, I thought race up. This is done. Race over. Um, they're going to have to a, a good one, like a very good horse, is going to have to beat him today. Um, and when you're already Probably at that, probably only three lengths off a of Group One. To be fair, like he's a he's a he's a proper Group Two horse, in my opinion, and and only a few lengths off a of Group One horse, isn't he? Like, well, he showed it on Champions Day, didn't he? Like, he was up against some of the best sprinters and, and the best sprinter in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, again, ran huge, like a country horse to run against horses like that. Um, that's just fantastic, but. Uh, you know, other horses that we can touch base on. How's I Am Unstoppable? We've got the half-sister, Satin Stiletto. That was a huge win for us. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, he didn't win the big race, but just to come second in the Stallion-Making Coolmore race, like, and, and again, like, you know, well. we cheer that horse home like it's our own because oh. we, uh, we're invested in the sister and that. And it's great for all of our owners and everything who, like, they they've already not already but they will get a return on their investment win lose or draw because she's obviously a very valuable filly yeah and there are things that we with our experience like we will go to sales and we'll do our homework and research and that's what we're doing at the minute a lot of our time is spent researching the sales coming up in january and that and pedigrees and things so we can find those little things to you know, make make our clients money and in other ways that isn't just racing. But yeah, it's no better time to get involved in racing. Like you said, the Cozzy, you've got the Everest was on the same day. I was there on the day, mate, and the crowd there was incredible. Like I was just so happy. Um, luckily, we were in the members area and the aircon was on. And <laughs> after the girls dragged us around getting pictures all day, I said, I'm not moving from here. The barbecue isn't that bad and the aircon's on and I'm staying here. But the Everest, like what a concept that has been. Like, would you say that has become the biggest race in Australia now? Oh, it de definitely. Like anyone that says it's not. Um, Bigger than the Melbourne Cup? Yeah, without a doubt. Like the, the prize money, it, it's a group. And even the likes of the best farms in the world now, um, everyone knows it's got a group one status without a group one. Um, even on pedigree pay, like look at yes, yes, yes. You know, look what he sold for. Um, everyone knows it's a Group One. Um, it, it'll eventually probably be classed as a Group One, but um, 
proper race, proper horses, and concept fantastic, good for owners, public people that aren't owners, people that don't even watch a horse all day are at the races and they haven't even seen a horse yet. Um, it's just a good day out. Well, it was amazing on the day as well, mate. And the Melbourne Cup, which I've gone on a bit of tour recently, I've done the Everest, the Golden Eagle and the Melbourne Cup. Well, I've even, been working. Yeah, yeah you, yeah, so the perks of the job. <laughs> but no, I didn't even plan in half and we had lyrical running at the Golden Eagle day and everything. But um, the, it was funny because they were there for that race and then the crowd sort of like ventured out a bit after it. There was still a huge crowd there, but like there was 80,000 at a Melbourne Cup and yeah, they're just there for that specific, those specific races. So to see that from the Australian nation, like the, the interest in it, like it is insane. Worldwide. And yeah, yeah. Worldwide. And then you've got the likes of moving on to like Mr. Brightside, like what a freak of a horse he is and alligator blood and like he, he's just, he must be so tough. And um, But these, they get such like cult followings behind them and you've got all them. Um, and they've earned that too. You see the races, mate, and they all have their hats on and everything, custom yep. made hats and yeah, just incredible, like, to see the nation. The romantic being... warrior. I stuck yeah, solid. Yeah, you were on him. I, I, had, a, I, I said had a few uh, critics yeah. along the way, and I wasn't worried. <laughs> I, I'll admit I jumped ship after the first <laughs> run. I just thought there was so much improvement that he had to make. Yeah. And he obviously made it. But I just thought Mr. Brightside had gone to another level this year. And you'd love to own a horse like him, wouldn't you, Mr. Oh. Brightside? He's just a he's just a war horse, isn't he? Like th these horses, I think um, people need to understand these horses just don't come around like that often. It's very far and few between. And but when you're involved in such horse, which anyone can be, it's the it's honestly the luck of the draw. And as soon as you purchase a share, you've got to be in it to win it, and you just never know what you've got. Oh, but they can come from anywhere, can't yeah. they? You hear so many stories like Mr. Brightside, he didn't cost much at the sales. And earlier I said Van de Clare. We Private sent to, Mate, we sent Van de Clare to the sales and nobody wanted him. Yeah. He passed, passed in. in yeah, yeah, so the owners raced him themselves. And yeah, What's he running? Four Melbourne Cups now? Yeah, that was his fourth. and Just it, incredible. Yeah, like, and he's won, I don't know how much. And probably in career got. best form. It was like, yeah, he was great yeah. this prep, wasn't he? He was very unlucky um, in Mooney Valley. Yep. Yeah, so just that, they're just honest, tough horses. And I remember the Mooney Valley race, we watched it, and um, I knew that horse on the inside was ahead of him, but knowing him, or sorry, on his outside, knowing him, he he just, he did it in the Melbourne Cup. He got past and he fought back and it was just the swooper down the outside that he didn't see coming. Yeah. Like he, they just have that heart, don't they? And Will they love win. their racing. Yeah. They'll give a hundred percent. And we have a couple of horses like that, mate. And they're not on a level of Van declaring that, but they will, whether they run third, fourth or whatever, they'll give you a hundred percent every single time they go around. They're just honest horses. Yeah. And, and for me and for us as a business, it's not, it's not where they place. It's, um, I think what I, uh, during this podcast, I want to, um, I guess try and, uh, do my best and, and your best and our best to educate people along the way as well. Like it's not, where they run, you might have a horse run ninth, but beat 1.8 in a great race. It's, it's how they perform and, and how they run. It's not where they run. 
um, you can come ninth, but you walk away and go, wow, like he went and, or she went enormous today. Um, and trust me, there's a lot of bad days. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot, you know, that's just racing. You have more bad days than good days. So, um, but we make sure we enjoy the, the good ones and, um, moving on to like the two year old, uh, first season sires, like, you know, they've, they've just come out of the woodworks this year, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, like Alabama Express. Oh, hasn't he gone well? Like, uh, I, genuinely, I'm not just going to say now because he's killing it. But I did really like his yearlings last year. I loved and him. Yeah, I, I really liked think him. I tried to talk a mate of mine into sending his mare there and that. Um, yeah, we can't get in. For well, them. it was his mare, <laughs> so I was willing to take the risk. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't send my own. But, um, no, like he's a sire that. He seems to get a winner every two-year-old race now that's run. He had another good one on the weekend. Blue Point. Blue Point's another one. He's been killing it in Europe and that. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, yes. has had a couple of ones. Pirata. To sort. Yeah, Pirata has had the, that handy horse in Matt Lowry's yep. Coleman. And James Heron has the, the handy one as well. Didn't yeah. it run third or second? Is uh, that in the Breeders' Plate? Yeah, it was in... Um, it ran Bridge, well anyway. Yeah, I think he might have finished fourth or fifth, but he did, he had a good run. Like, as you said, again, it's a good horse, if though. you look into the run, yeah, but he's a good horse and he's had a few nice ones trialing and the word around him's pretty good. And that, was there any that, like, you think you thought a little bit more of that haven't done it yet or that might? Uh, the Autumn Sun for me, I th I've been, I think he, I think, um, I'm not going to sit here and diss any stallions or anything like that, but for me, I really thought that he'd probably do a bit more for now, but uh, to be, to be fair, I think, you know, his horses will get better with age. I think we all yeah, jump Yeah, with his pedigree and that, like, I know the families quite well there because it's that Aga Khan family and I actually one of the first jobs I got back home was working their uh, breeding season at the Aga Khans and half of his horses mate when they were no not no good in the flat but when he was they were limited they got sold to go jumping and they made group one jumping horses yeah and they were highly sought after so they do take a bit of time those horses and it was rare that the Aga Khan ever had a two-year-old winner yeah, or even a runner. They've got to be in the right hands, don't they? Yeah. They've got yeah. to go to the right trainers um, that want to be patient with them. And uh, he's he's definitely a horse, I think. Um, uh, it's probably good from a buying point of view because you go to the sales next year and he's not throwing those early two-year-old types and so it brings the price down a lot. So if you want one of those three, four-year-old plus, like a So You Think, generally speaking, um, well, it took him a few years to really get going and get the credit he deserved. Yeah, and I think, uh, or I, it's a fact that we're so quick to sack them, so quick. Yeah, um, and there's plenty of stallions out there that um, they get plenty of winners and good winners too. And just bread just, and butters. They're you're, not you're commercial. They're not Rupert, Pride Ruby, of Dubai. Pride yeah. of Dubai. Like it's incredible. Like, look at your song. Like it's he's not fashionable, but like I love him. What a stallion! Like we've had, we've had um, number of your songs that go well. So, well, recently we had lyrical beauty. Yeah, she, she looks like she's got some nice upside. Yeah, she yep. went back to back for Matt Dale and. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, no, I think it'll be great hitting the ground at the Magic Millions come January. Uh, we'll keep it short. We just wanted to introduce the podcast, what we're about, what we're going to do moving forward. We're going to have people from the industry interviewed uh, without the industry uh, and 
send through any any funny stories and send through uh, your worst and best beats punting wise to george at kbloods.com.au email george doesn't matter how bad or how good it is flick it through the to worse him. the better to be honest the worst, yeah. yeah the worst and the most rawest the better uh, and just annoy George as much as you can. Just flick him, even if you've got 10, flick him 10. Yeah, I've got a junk folder set up for it. And I guess um, our work starts literally as of this week for finding our next Malaboom from the Magic Sale. Yeah, yeah, and we've got some big plans and that that we'll unveil in the coming months. So, yeah, we've um, been working behind the scenes doing that people obviously don't get to see that side of it and that, but we're excited about them. Uh, some people we might be working with and that that'll get announced in the next while and yeah it's a really it's my first year being on always i've always been on the selling side of it so on the buying side of it i'm really excited we're doing all our homework now into our pedigrees and our stats and everything like that and that's just going to stand to us when we do hit the ground running as you said and we get to magic millions and Obviously, there's other reasons I'm excited to get to the Magic Millions. Not, not, in the, the, Gold Heine, not the Heinekens. <laughs> no, the, the, <laughs> the casinos and the beaches and that. It's a worst places. Um, it's a terrible place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the worst. But ch- tune in, like, subscribe, click, share, do whatever you do. Um, it's fantastic to just share it around. We're going to give out heaps of merch, heaps of Corinda Bloodstock merch. Uh, we'll on the out- stories, mate, for the best story, um, after a bit of time when we get some in, we'll we'll pick the best one. Um, so make it really outlandish. So like, every podcast, yeah. we'll get some Corinda merch out to the yeah, best Yeah, yeah, and we'll send you out some merch. And uh, we've got um, plenty of brand new merch. With, um, Fan Fave do a fantastic job. I've got job. some really good beats. Yeah. I, I can't enter, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about wins? Uh, no comment. Not as many. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yep, that's it. That's uh, what it is, guys. Raw and real podcast, horse racing, non-horse racing. Watch it. Get involved. Email George and annoy him as much as you can. <laughs>